Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Magic Millions Radio with Chris Nelson. It's Wednesday the 12th of January 2022. We're back for day three of Magic Millions Radio. Really looking forward to today's show. We're going to very shortly catch up with Tim Rowe from ANZ Bloodstock to talk about the sales yesterday. I see a clearance rate of just over 91%, 148 lots sold, an average price of $272,000. And the top price to date, and I have no doubt this will be bettered as the week goes on, $950,000. A zoo star, Karuda Queen, uh, lot 172. Now, after we speak with uh, Tim, we'll have a chat to Tom Hackett. Get the latest on the markets for the uh, the big races. Now, I see this morning that there might be some black figures around now for Cool and Gatter. That's an amazing drift. We spoke to Tom uh, yesterday after the barrier draw, and she was out to around 185, but... She might have drifted out a little bit further. We'll find out from Tom very shortly. We'll speak to Trent Edmonds. Just wanted to catch up with Trent. He's got a live hope in that three-year-old guineas, of course, with Mimi Lagarde. Unfortunately, she came up with the worst possible barrier, but but she does get back in her races. Uh, she'll let the speed go, and there looks to be plenty of it, and she might be able to sweep down the outside and uh, put herself into the race. Be uh, interested to see what Trent's thoughts are there. Magic Millions memories today. Cannot wait. Speaking to Frank Cleary. Frank, of course, trained... Clan O'Sullivan all the way back in 1992 to win the Magic Millions two-year-old classic. Still holds the record of running the fastest time to win a Magic Millions, does Clan O'Sullivan. And speaking to Frank a couple of times prior to this morning, he seems like a real character, as does uh, his son Joe. So really looking forward to that. Uh, Then we'll speak to Paul Snowden, get his thoughts on uh, his runners. He's got two in each of the features on the weekend. Of course, Russian Conquest right up there in the markets for the the two-year-old classic and drawn the right gate. And any of the speed mappers out there have probably got uh, Russian Conquest uh, landing the right spot and being the one to beat. And no doubt there's been money for her. We'll find out from uh, from Tom shortly. But as mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to have a chat to Tim Rowe from ANZ Bloodstock. Tim, what a cracking opening day yesterday. Oh, it was quite extraordinary, Chris. Um... Before the sale, there was understandably a little bit of apprehension, but just the industry shows no signs of slowing down. Everyone wants to be involved, and there was plenty of money around yesterday. Yeah, there was. I see uh, the top lots, 950000 for the Zoo Star Karuda Queen, 900000 for what? Three of them justify, of course, Global Glenner. Beautifully bred horses, as we know, but gee, that's a lot of money, isn't it? It is. I guess all those uh, were all fillies. I guess there's a lot of residual value in, in those yeah. those fillies. So I guess if, uh, even if they can't win a race, they still, they've still hold a lot of value. Whereas um, I think today you'll find a lot of the Colts will be uh, at the top of the markets. And I dare say uh, it's, it's not a brave call to say the million-dollar mark will be cracked today. So you're pretty confident the 950 will be bettered? Oh, yeah, very confident. I've been wrong before, but um, I'd be almost certain there'll be there'll be at least one and probably multiple million dollar lots today with some uh, some big colts coming through. 
Now, watching the uh, watching some of the action on the uh, the TV yesterday afternoon, uh, I, I did hear that uh, Barry suggested uh, Barry Bowditch suggested that uh, Wednesday and Thursday would probably be stronger days than the actual Tuesday. Do you agree with that? I would say that even uh, despite how the catalogue falls, I think day one, particularly at Magic Millions being the first sale of the year, everyone's still finding their feet as the market gone up and the people just want to find their values. But now after yesterday's trade, they can sort of assess horses against other horses and size and so forth and can, can work out their, their values with a bit more uh, certainty. Clearance rate, as I mentioned, 91.36%. Did that surprise you or did you think it would be around that mark? Uh, well, I've got to say it probably does surprise me. Day one, again, as I said, you know, people try and find their 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 values and uh, there was a little bit of apprehension, as I said, before the sale. But um, I think it picked up through the day. People want to get horses sold. Um, it's an important sale for vendors, for, for cash flow and, and trade. And let's face it, owners and trainers and syndicators, they need horses on the shelf. Otherwise, uh, they go out of business pretty quickly. So... Um, yeah, everyone wants to be involved at the moment. There's loads of prize money on and the goal, you know, Magic Millions on Saturday, good example of that. Yeah. Now, where are we looking today? What do you think will be the top lots this afternoon or this morning well, into this afternoon? In- yeah, well, um, look, I think the top lot of the day, I'm pretty, will go close as lot 261 from Sejin Ho, which is a, the last, and not a single doubt, Colt, um, from the, first, the last crop of the great Arrowfield Stallion. Um, it's out of yeah, misadmiration, a Sebring mare that Mick Price trained. Uh, one of this group one placed and, and a group winner. Um, there's big raps on on him and look, you know, Farnan from Binary came out of this sale and you know he's just doing a great job as a sire of size. So I think a lot of the Colts buyers will be on him and uh, yeah, he'd be the one I'd be backing to certainly crack the million dollar mark. But before him, there's a, an interesting one, a Savabile, um Colt that's been sent over from New Zealand. It's a brother to Novair that won the 2000 Guineas over there at Rickerton last November. Um, you know, he's already been retired to stud through injury, unfortunately, but uh, the raps on Novair were, were huge. So it's interesting that the placement to put him in the in front of Australian buyers at the first sale of the year, um, there's there's good raps on him as well. So I'd expect um, you know, plenty of competition, probably from New Zealand and, and Australian buyers. Um, lot 267 from, from Arrowfield is a, uh, the Autumn Sun first crop, three-quarter brother, to uh, horses people will know, Kined- Kinedna won in Group 1 or won yep. multiple Group 1s and Group 3 winner Spill the Bean. So, um, you know, Arrowfield again got right behind the Autumn Sun first first year and this is a result of of that through, you know, get, getting mares like Miss Dodwell. Um, and also later in the later in the day, there's some some interesting fillies. Um, Emirates Park's got an eye of Invincible. Um, sister to Naj Marty, the Snowden strains is already a stakes winner, and the value of those I'm Invincible fillies, you know, just is, is immense. So there's yep. strong competition on on her as well. All right, so you give me two sixty one and two sixty seven. I think there was uh, ones either side of those numbers. Can you just give me those? Because I'm going to hold you to account, Tim. <laughs> yeah, lot, lot two thirty seven <laughs> is the Savile yeah. Bill, um, your brother to Novair. Lot 306 is from Emirates Park, as I'm invincible, sister Naj Mahdi, um, as I said, is trained by... And just one more, which will be, people will know, Lot 325 from uh, Matthew Sandblom's King Star Farm. It's a Russian Revolution half-sister to stay inside the slipper winner, of course. So, wow. Um, it'd be very interesting to see uh, how she goes or, and the value that's, that's on her. 
So Tim's prognostications today. We need to look out for 237. These are the lot numbers. 261, 267, 306, and 325. Now, you gave us lot one and lot 51 on uh, Monday to look out for yesterday. You, you had a good start. Lot one kicked off really well. I think it was, uh, was it 500 or 450? Yeah, four four hundred and fifty, which is uh, yeah. Newgate and, and China Horse Club, and obviously the attraction to you know China Horse Club and, and Henry Field at Newgate. Uh, you know they race Justify in the states, and uh, Henry Field's credited with sort of selecting him or picking him out at the the Keeneland sales. So um, you know they sold him for a huge amount of, of money to Coolmore to go to start, and as we touched on, Coolmore's got right behind him with the best mares and. Uh, that one out of Eckstein, yeah, it was first first cab off the rank and sold very, very well. All right. Well, good work, Tim. Really appreciate your time this morning. Have a great day out there today. We'll check in with you again tomorrow and see how those lots that you mentioned uh, went. And we'll get some uh, more of your ideas going forward into Thursday. So enjoy your afternoon. Thanks again. Thanks very much, Chris. Good on you, Tim. Tim Rowe joining us there from ANZ Bloodstock. He's been terrific all week. And he will continue to be now. Speaking of terrific, Tom Hackett from Ladbrokes joins us. Tom, there's been some interesting market moves around uh, the Magic Millions, especially the favourite. There absolutely has been, Chris. Uh, the barrier draw, we, we saw a little bit of movement yesterday, but there's been some big money here come for Cool and Gutter with Ludbrokes uh, since the barrier draw. We've had one Ludbrokes punt has had $10,000 on Cool and Gutter at the $2.05 currently available. Another followed up with $5,000. That's really big money. Big bet for this early in the week with so much water still to go under the bridge. So uh, it has been a little bit easy since the barrier draw cool and gather, but the big punches are already starting to step in. And still two oh five? Still two dollars five. Russian conquest on the second one of betting at six dollars. It's been the the second best fact as well. Good support for it over the past twenty four hours. The other horse has been a bit of a market mover. A double figure odds has been Miss Hellfire. Now a clear outright surge favourite. It's into eleven dollars. Bit of specking there. And I'd say the way the money's come from Miss Hellfire, it could be in single figures uh, by this time tomorrow. Soaring ambition still there, about to the thirteen dollars. And there hasn't really been any of the price that really come for yet outside the sort of top four. There, there's uh, no real specking for any of these ones that are at a big odds at, at this stage. Have you done a speed map at all, Tommy? A quick speed map. I yeah, did one last very, night. I, I tried to do one, and I found it. I hope you had more success than I did, Chris, because <laughs> I found it a very difficult proposition. I had uh, I had more horses with question marks uh, next to their names than uh, horses I was confident where they would land. So I think it's yeah. always the case with the Magic Millions, uh, the two-year-old race. You can generally you, you know where three or four of the generally the speed horses. You know they're not going to go forward at all costs, but then. It's just it's such an unknown because a lot of these horses, they've just never been in, in a, such a high-pressure race. We know it always is a high-pressure race as well. So horses that might might have uh, shown plenty of speed in their, their maiden win at, at Doombin can come to a Magic Wins Classic and just be completely run off their feet early. So there are, with such a big field, and there are obviously such inexperienced horses, there are plenty of unknowns. But I think uh, Cool and Gutter, we know Barrier 13 is probably not ideal, not where they wanted to draw, but I think there, there will be a, a fair few options there for Cool and Gutter. So I'm not sure it's the, the worst Barrier draw in the world for the favourite. I'm interested to know, will they look for cover or will they push on? I mean, what I, from what I can see, Cusack, Sneaky Starter and Miss Hellfire are definitely going forward and Cool and Gutter is the other one. So does she try and ease and, and find a spot behind them or, or push on and go with them? I mean, that's on paper. They don't run races on paper, as we know, Tom. No, exactly right. I, I I personally think they will they will probably look to ease. I don't think they want to just be. They, I don't think they uh, 
determined to lead at all costs. I think they'd be happy to sort of sit in that sort of fourth position, even if uh, even if she does sit sit a little bit wide. I don't think they'd be that 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 concerned about that. sit wide on, on a good tempo. I think they're pretty confident they've got the best horse in the race. So if they can keep her out of trouble, she's going to be tough to beat. All righty. Now the three-year-old guineas. Uh, any market moves there? Interesting market, this one. There's still a little bit of confusion here. I think the punters are finding this a pretty tough race uh, to unpack. So, Jamea and King of Sparta, they're still the clear favourites. They're still $5. No movement there from yesterday. I'm Lethal being $8 into $7. Starman, $9 into $8. And a little bit of a, uh, a move at a price for Shahonka is now into $12. But it's really been so far our holds this race. They're split right across the field, really. There's... Uh, they, they certainly haven't just come for Jamara or King of Sparta. A little bit of specking, as I said, for I Am Lethal. And uh, Ben The Knee has been one of our other best back, uh, runners in this race at $21. But there's definitely no firm market support for any horse in this field at the moment. I think the, the punters, they're letting, uh, they're going to let things settle with the Magic Williams guineas and uh, wait until a bit later in the week before they really dive in here. Well, I did a little bit of a speed map on that particular race as well. And I found a lot of pace early on. I'm just bringing it up on my screen now if my computer would ever work. It's on the go slow. Maybe I should buy a new one, Tom. It's only about 10 years old. But uh, there Find you a go. winner on Saturday, Chris, and you can uh, invest, those, yeah. uh, invest those winnings into a new laptop. It's as easy as that, isn't it? <laughs> no, I had uh, I had uh, plenty going forward here, but one of them was Snits on Fire, who's an emergency, and the other one was uh, Mashani Scandal might push on too. But indiscreetly, Dovetail Diva, Rhapsody Rose, Shahonka might be the one that gets the run of the race behind them, even from Gate Nine. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you're absolutely right, Chris. It's going to be good tempo in this race, and Shahonka is the horse I did identify as being a horse that will get a really lovely uh, trail into this contest. I think. We'll get a clearer picture for how this race will go, I think, uh, on Saturday once we see some of these earlier races because we do yeah. know the Gold Coast track. You're never 100% sure how it's going to play. You're never 100% sure how it's going to play on Magic Moon's Day. There's some Magic Moon's Days where it's definitely favoured horses that have been set up right on the speed and it's almost impossible to win from the second half of the field, which would, if it plays like that, that's going to make it very difficult for Jamea. But if horses are running on from uh, down the middle of the track, then Jamea will definitely prove tough to beat. So I think for this race, my recommendation will be to sort of wait until... Uh, on the day, and if horses are waking up ground and uh, finishing strongly, I think Jamal will be very tough to beat. As I said yesterday, I do think she's the class filly in this field. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll chat to you again uh, maybe tomorrow, but if not tomorrow, we definitely will be speaking to you Friday to get your uh, your thoughts on on not just the uh, the main races, but pretty much most races uh, during the day. Tom, pleasure to chat to you. Have a great day. We'll speak to you again very shortly. Thanks, Chris. Looking forward to it. Cheers, Tom. Now, we'll head for a break. We'll just go back here. Before we go to the break, one of my Magic Millions moments or memories, whatever you like, we're going all the way back uh, to the winner, number 10. This was a Magic Million moment, and this was number 10. I'm just going off the top of my head. What was number 10? I can't even remember, so I'm just going to play it now, and uh, we'll get back to the uh, – talk about it after the break. Coming in at number 10 on our countdown of the top 10 – Magic Millions Moments is the 1990 winner, St. Jude, who was piloted by stable jockey but champion trainer Bruce McLaughlin. It was the first of three victories in the big race for Bruce McLaughlin. St. Jude went on to win three times at Group 1 level, twice as a three-year-old in the Spring Champion Stakes and in the Canterbury Guineas before his victory in what was then the Show Day Cup at Caulfield back in 1991. Of course, the uh, the Magic Millions moment I was trying to get out before the break was St. Jude, who won the race uh, in 1990 for Brian York 
and Premier Queensland trainer Bruce McLaughlin, who won, oh, golly, he must have won between 20 and 30 training premierships. He certainly was a legend. Speaking of legends, Trent, Edgman, uh, Trent Edmonds joins us on the line. Good morning, Trent. Morning, Chris. <laughs> I don't know if I could be compared in the same uh, breath as Bruce McLaughlin, but if well, I end up with half, half a, uh, as good a career as him, I'd be happy. <laughs> you're only young. You've got a lot of time. A lot of time. That's one thing you've got in your favour there, Trent. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> okay. Now, how's the week been so far? Busy week? Yeah, pretty um, pretty busy, pretty hectic. It always is around this time. And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a great week, but with the um, sales and that sort of being in your own backyard, we, uh, you know, we're still getting up very early to work and then going off the sales each day, trying to uh, buy and then, you know, rinse and repeat, basically. So a very busy week. Now, I haven't looked at uh, particular trainers and particular purchases uh, in the first day, but have you bought anything as yet? No, we missed out uh, champagne taste on a beer budget this year, unfortunately. <laughs> so um, we might play a part later on in the sale, but uh, for now we are um, just getting blown out of the water. Yeah, yeah, there's some high prices being paid, that's for sure. Now, uh, the Magic Millions three-year-old guineas on Saturday. I think the best local hope is definitely from your stable in uh, Mimi Lagarde. She's uh, been super impressive, this preparation. She hasn't come up with a favourable draw, but look, you know, she gets back in her races anyway. Robbie Frad rides. He likes that sort of get back, get to the outside and charge home. So uh, I'd like to be positive. Maybe not that bad. How did you think it? <laughs> um yeah, I wish I could share your optimism. Um, <laughs> 23 or 23. Thanks, Billy Slater. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, you know, if it's just, just going to make things very difficult now, I suppose one thing, um, I just having a quick look at the field yesterday when the barriers were assembled, very good speed drawn out wide, um, which should be advantageous. That, that just obviously means that there should be some good speed on if they're going to run, race to their normal pattern. Um, so not all is lost. Obviously, would have liked to had drawn soft to just give her a beautiful soft run and uh, then let rip at the right time. But anyway, can't do much about it now. We've just got to go over the form for the next couple of days and um, hopefully just try and find a spot somewhere because if you're back and last, you're going to have to be you know, length's better than them. I don't care what weight she's got, you know. She, uh, she's going to have to produce a huge performance. So a little bit um, stiff with the draw, but no point worrying about it now. No, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, when I say you're, you're happy, would you be happy to sit three wide with cover? Of course, you'd never be happy to sit three wide. But if, if that's the case and you can at least have her into clear air or have the uh, the chance of getting her into clear air in the straight, are you okay to sit there with some cover three deep? Back sort of midfield yep. or worse? Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, if that could eventuate, that'd be that'd be best case scenario, and then just give her as kind a run as possible. Um, it's not as if she's going to be one expending a great deal of energy. Um, you know, she's she'll come back underneath him spot on and mm. race tractably. Uh, so it's just a matter of luck and running, really. If we ended up with three wide line with cover, that'd be great. All right. I just wanted to ask you, too, about uh, Hard Empire. Hard Empire. Now, I haven't seen any fields as yet. I don't think they've come through as yet. They hadn't a couple of minutes ago. But you've got Hard Empire nominated for the Snippets and the Magic Millions Cup. I thought the first up run was just outstanding. Uh, what did you make of the second up run? Second up run was typical Hard Empire. Um, 
if you go back to his form, his first ever preparation with us and his only racing preparation with us, he won on Melbourne Cup Day, that open quality race at Doombin uh, in 2020. He then, I think, Jonker broke the track record in the Keith Nowd and he endeavoured a chequered passage that day, weaved through them and still ran okay, but it certainly yep. was nowhere near as impressive as his second up run, as his first up run. Uh, third up, he beat Jonker in the George Moore. So it's been the plan third up to go towards the weekend. We're going to run him in the 1400 metre race. I just thought um, thought Ben probably got dictated to the other day. Baller shoved him out the road and put him out in the middle of the track from a, a long way out. And you don't ever see horses winning doing that at Doombin. Uh, it was off and gone, but our bloke made good, good ground again late. Um, so he's right on track. And I would suggest that just being a year older um, is the reason that, as to why we're going towards the 1400. We thought after the last run, the 1400 would be a bit more suitable than the 12, and it might just allow him to get his get his teeth into the race a bit. And Ryan Maloney's retaining the ride, so um, after a first up effort, so all's good. Look, I'm a big fan of the horse, and I was going back through all his form the other week. He's never put in a bad run since he's joined your stable. No, no, he hasn't. Um, to be fair, uh, Magic Millions Day in the snippets last year was a bit of a sore point. Um, you know, he didn't have a great deal of luck. Jonker got to the front and controlled the speed of the race and, and kicked away. Our bloke was back in the ruck and trying to weave through and still really hit the line well. Um, so he's been a model of consistency. And mm. obviously, hopefully, uh, whenever these fields come out, hopefully sometime within the next three hours, that'll be good. <laughs> it, uh, we, it's the same every off. year. <laughs> it's the exactly. same every year. So, uh, look, they won't be far away, I hope. And, look, I hope you draw very well with uh, Hard Empire. You certainly deserve that. After what you drew with Mimi Lagarde and, and your other runners, you've got plenty of others uh, nominated there over uh, over the day as well. Trent, best of luck. We'll catch up with you shortly. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Good on you. Trent Edmonds joining us there. We'll go to the news. We'll come back from the news and we'll talk to Frank Cleary, who, of course, was the trainer of the great Clan O'Sullivan, another Magic Millions memory. Zodiac Miss and Licencioso a little slow to go. Quick snipping for sale came out very quickly. Clan O'Sullivan and Supplemate blew out of the machine. Clan O'Sullivan leads at the end of 200. Supplemate quickly rushed a second for sale. Third, Quick Snip is fourth. A length away, million percent on the outside of Yachty. Loudspeaker on the rail. Papal Jewel wide. Zodiac Miss going through in the centre. Then Discriminate and Gold Design. Catchfire planted out very wide. One to Seattle swing. One to Vane's Joy. Licencioso second last and Rich Hunter back at the tail of the field. The favourite leads onto the bend. Clan O'Sullivan a neck in front of Supplimate. One to Quick Snip. Yachty's run to fourth for Sile on the rail. Then Zodiac Miss and Million Percent as they turn the bend. Clan O'Sullivan leads in the dash for the cash at the 300 and he skipped away. Clan O'Sullivan two and a half in front of Supplimate. Quick Snip third. Then Yachty and Zodiac Miss but Clan O'Sullivan's in front. The magic millions belongs to Canberra. Cooksley makes sure as Clan O'Sullivan spread eagles the Magic Millions field. Clan O'Sullivan beat Zodiac Miss. Quick snip third from Supplimate, then Yachty's. There he was running 18.46 at the Gold Coast on the 11th of January 1992 on a firm two track, something we don't see these days, Clan O'Sullivan, and he still holds uh, the race record, the fastest time ever run in a Magic Millions. Frank Cleary was his trainer. Frank, it's great to have you on. I've been looking forward to this chat all week. Good on you, Chris. Yes, how about it, mate? You know, you're going to do it? How about it? It's good. 
Now, 19, hang on a minute, let's say 1992. How many times do you reckon you've watched and listened to that race? 1992 plus? Not quite, mate. No, no, I haven't actually. I, um, I had some old footage of him, but um, I haven't watched it in recent times. But just to hear that call then brought back a lot of memories, yeah. Now, I know you celebrated pretty hard that uh, particular weekend. Uh, there was a rumour around that you went back to the sales on the Saturday night and you didn't uh, surface until... Well, I left the sales, I think. At, no, you, you celebrated and then you didn't surface till 5am and then went back to the sales later on. Is that right or have I got it pear-shaped? Uh, pretty right. I, got, I think I got home from the avenue about 4 o'clock in the morning and then Ken Jones was banging on my door at 7 to go back to the sales. And Sue <laughs> said to me, Mr. Jones is at the door, and I said, tell him I've just got to bed. She said, get up and get to the sales. <laughs> <laughs> and did you buy anything that day? It would have been a bit cloudy. Uh, I bought two, yeah. We bought uh, Guam Holiday and a horse called Schumart. Well, actually, Guam Holiday turned out a pretty good horse. Now, can you give us the Clan O'Sullivan story? How did you come about getting to train him? Obviously, Ken Jones was the owner. Yeah, um, Ken, we would at the sales. Actually, I, I inspected him with Malcolm Johnson. Malcolm and I went to look at him and... Um, he he's a lovely colt. He had a bit few scars on him, and he'd been in a fight somewhere down the track. And I said, well, "That's what I like about him. He's obviously tough." So, um, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, sorry, something's. And uh, yeah, Malcolm and I inspected him, and then we went back to Ken and said he's a nice colt, and they bought him. And um, and Ken said, you, "You might as well train him." And it went from there. Now, 1992. Uh, there was a Gold Coast Magic Millions 1,400-metre race, and you won that as well? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I punched up his two-year-old record already, two-year-old record out just recently, and he um, he had 10 starts as a two-year-old for eight wins in two seconds. And he went back to the Magic Million he, after he'd, uh, he won the Black Opal, and he won the Black Opal Preview, and he won the Todman Slipper. He got beat ahead in the Golden Slipper, and then he went back yeah. in the May and won the Magic Millions Australasian Classic which included the New Zealand horses then. Yeah, and looking at that uh, record here, that was on a heavy 10 track. Yeah, and 1,400, yeah. Yeah. yeah he only so... had about three weeks' work. Wow, considering yeah, no, he was he a, a very fast horse to win on a heavy 10 over 1,400, that's a hell of an effort. Oh, he was a great horse. You know, you just can't compare the two-year-olds to him. He was just um, out of the box. To have 10 runs as a two-year-old on that record, just unbelievable. He, he didn't just win him. When he, when he won him, he was winning them by, by four and five lengths all the time. He was. And looking at uh, what did he have in total, he had a total of uh, 20 starts for nine wins and four placings. His final run was, uh, according to my records here, Caulfield on the 15th of October 1994 in the Meyer Stakes, Group 3. He ran last there at big odds, though. He just what That that was the end of him there. He'd gone as far as he was ever going. Well, after he asked his two-year-old, it broke my heart because they took him off me. And uh, giving him to a trainer at Warwick Farm, Sharon Peters, and um, he just never was—he was never the same then. Okay, I didn't know that because it hasn't got that listed here. I didn't know you. That's interesting. So, what what was the reason for that? Oh uh, well, if he had bad knees, and um, they came up with this opinion that he needed swimming all the time. I didn't have any swimming facilities here. Well, it was a bloody Queanbeyan River, so I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't match the tools. The tools they were having at Sydney when. She was trying to rot upset Ingham's, and Ingham's had the big pool, so they, were, they said he could use that. So I lost him, and he went down there. Yeah, well, that wasn't a good move. Now, yeah, uh, bit, what are you currently like doing? No, I bet you didn't. What, what are you currently doing? I know your son, Joe, uh, trains uh, 
obviously in uh, in Queanbeyan as well. Are you still there? Are you still a tra- training yourself or are you helping out? Yeah, I've got the one or two there. I try to keep a couple. You know, it yeah. makes me get out of bed and makes me go a little bit. And Joe's know, I've got a couple of them. Go on, sorry. sorry. No, you go. Yeah, no, so I've got a couple more um, two-year-olds now that are just getting broken or just have been broken in. I'm going to bring them in shortly. So while the weather's warm, I'll keep going. Yeah. Well, it won't be long till it's cold, but you just got to get through those Canberra winters. They can get a bit cold, Frank. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I know what it's like. I got, but... asked, I got asked last night. They said, you know, you had some big owners. What happened to them? I said, they all died. <laughs> oh, doesn't help, does it? Doesn't help the cause, no. No, Chris, uh, it doesn't. No. Okay, so so no more visits to the Magic Millions. I know uh, Joe's on uh, on the Gold Coast this week, but uh, do you generally still turn up to the sales every couple of years, or that's it for you? Oh now? yeah, yeah, I like to get up there, get up there with Hodgie and old Mel Roberts and all the boys, and have a look around. But um, now this year with bloody COVID and that, you didn't know what was going on, so it's not worth the effort. But we're going to try and get up there. Um, Sue's auntie turns eighty in a few weeks. We're going to try and get up there for that. So I'll catch up with everyone then. All right. Now, you said you had a couple of horses. Is that they the only two horses you got in work? Nothing that we need to keep an eye out for in the next few weeks? Uh, there's a filly there by Sebring. She's going to be called Lenyon Bride. She could she she could make the grade. And I've got a couple out there unnamed, one by Flying Artie and one by Scissor Kick. They're going all right. So anyhow, okay. we'll just see how we go. So Lanyon Bride's the filly we need to look out for. Just looking back through Clan O'Sullivan's record, and I did... Did mention at the top of the segment there a firm two track. We just don't see those anymore. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I didn't realise it was so firm that day. That that Gold Coast track's amazing. The amount of yeah. races they have on it and the race meetings they have on it, and it just keeps week after week after week. They just plough through it and in the heavy, and the next week it can be dry, and it just keeps staying up to it. It's amazing what race course that place. It is. And just looking through his early form, Clan O'Sullivan, he ran second at Eagle Farm on a firm two. He won the Magic Millions on a firm two. He won the Black Opal. Was that the Black Opal? Yeah, on a firm two. No, he won. Yeah, he did. He won the Black Opal on a firm two, and he won the Prelude uh, prior to that also on a firm two. So firm tracks were just a thing uh, of the day, but they're just something we don't see anymore at all. And, uh, I mean, the trainers will probably be happy with that because it affects the horses or a lot of trainers. Um, but I used to love, I love the dry tracks, Frank. I wish they were all firm twos. <laughs> it didn't worry him too much. No, it didn't. It well, made him run he faster. That, he could have beat him in the snow. He was that bloody good. Yeah, he was that good and he was that quick. He, sh- he sure was. Frank, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time. I wish you the best with those uh, horses that you've mentioned, uh, the Lanyon Bride filly and the, the other ones that uh, are unnamed. We hope you have plenty of success going forward. And thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, no problem, Chris. Thanks for ringing, mate. Ah, any time. Thanks again, Frank. Have a great day. Frank Cleary joining us there, of course, the trainer of Clan O'Sullivan, who won the race in 1992 and still holds the race record. Now, I spoke about the Magic Millions moments. Here's number nine as we head for a break. Coming in at number nine on our list of Magic Millions moments is the Victorian, Testarossa, who in 1999 was sent out an odds-on favourite by the punters and he didn't let them down, charging away to score by four lengths. Testarossa went on to become a six-time Group 1 winner and who could ever forget those mighty clashes with another star of the era and champion sire himself, Redoute's Choice, particularly that 1999 spine-tingling finish to the Caulfield Guineas. Great to chat with uh, Frank Cleary about uh, Clan O'Sullivan. 
uh, prior to the break. Uh, a real legend in the training ranks is Frank Clear and his son Joe. He does a terrific job as well. Now, speaking of legends in training, in training, of course, the Snowden uh, camp are legends in the training circles. We've got Paul Snowden joining us on the line to talk about uh, his runners in the big races on Saturday, the two-year-old Classic and the three-year-old Guineas. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thanks. And you? Enjoying your week on the Gold Coast so far? It is. We're just having a bit of trouble hearing you there. But, uh, look, just wanted to chat about uh, the barrier draws uh, in the main races. Now, Russian Conquest in the uh, the two-year-old classic, she's uh, drawn beautifully. I think the speed mappers will uh, be all over her. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I am. Um, she's certainly going well at home. And uh, really looking forward to Saturday. She's nice and soft. We should give her every opportunity to run well there on Saturday. Now, your other runner, uh, Miss Hellfire, now she's drawn 11 uh, before any scratchings, of course. Uh, she'll, I would say, go forward, suggesting on her patterns to date. There looks to be a fair bit of speed in the race. Uh, there's probably two or three that could keep her out. Will she push on? Oh, look, that remains to be seen. I'll probably leave it up to Tim, but what she's done um, just recently, how she's got that good early speed, she can definitely uh, travel up on, on the tempo, but whether or not she's quick enough for Magic means tempo remains to be seen, but um, oh, I think she's um, she'd be better if she actually took a sit to hear the truth. Um, she's certainly um, well and truly able to, but what she's got, like I said, is um, she's got that really good early speed that can put herself up in the first three or four, no worries. So if she sat just off the speed, maybe three wide with a bit of cover, you'd be okay with that? Oh, look, see not what, ideal. Like I said, well, it's it's not the worst either, but... No. Um, Obviously, you want to try and give your horse every um, get that economical economical run that you can. Yep. And um, you know, you, you're just trying to want to want to want to do that. That's the whole probably the first three, four furlongs. You need to try and get the spot and just get that nice, nice even tempo where your horse is happy and relaxed. Would you favour Russian Conquest of the two, or you find them hard to split? Uh, look, probably long term, I think there's going to be nothing much between them. But at the moment, I think Russian Conquest has probably got a little bit of wood on on the other filly. Um, just going to be improved once they get later on in their campaigns, later on in their in their preparation. Um, and I can see myself away running sort of seven furlongs, even a mile later on. So um, I think both Billy's got a bright future and just just slightly favour Russian conquest. Alrighty. Now in the uh, three-year-old guineas, you've got King of Sparta, and you've got Construct. Uh, firstly, Construct through the better gate. Yeah, he did. Um, he's been flying under the radar a wee bit. Obviously, the, the favourite drew quite wide. Um, I'm lethal, and he beat him the other day. But I think we've got a little bit of victim of circumstances at a vital stage on the Kenzo where it's quite a momentum track, and, and we just sort of waited for too long, and the race got away from us. But what you seen was he was very strong through the line. You know, 50 yards past the post, he's, he's well in front of most, or nearly all the field. So... Um, Nice, solid effort. He's, he's running into some good form and, and he's going to run well on Saturday. And King of Sparta um, certainly comes in if those emergencies don't um, take their place. So mm. that'll, that'll help. But he's, he's been targeted for this race. Um, well, it was a very good run first up, albeit unsuitable track conditions. Uh, it was a little bit doughy, which he's, a, he's an on-top-of-the-ground horse. So, um, you know, no more rain this week. It looks um, ideal conditions for him. Paul, thanks for your time this morning. I know it's a very busy week and I really appreciate you sparing us some of your time. And best of luck on Saturday uh, with the main two races and right across the board. 
Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Paul Snowden uh, joining us this morning. Of course, uh, the stable always have a strong hand on Magic Millions Day. Of course, they won a few years ago with Capitalist, who was dominant, ridden by uh, Blake Shin. Uh, takes you back a few years now. So uh, I'm sure they'll be to the fore with their runners on Saturday. They do have runners in the other races. We'll head for a break. We'll come back after the break, wrap up the show, and we'll uh, talk about what we've got on tomorrow. Coming in at number eight on our list of Magic Millions moments is the local champ, General Nadim. He won the race in 1997. He came into it winning his first three starts by a cumulative margin of 13 lengths. He drew a wide gate and he was caught wide early, but Mick Dittman was able to get him up outside the leader at the 700, and from there, the race was all theirs. He was a very popular sprinter, General Nadim. He went on to land the Group 1 sprinting double in 1998 down the Flemington Strait. The Lightning Handicap and the Newmarket Handicap. Coming in at number seven on our list of Magic Millions memories is the Gay Waterhouse trained Dance Hero, who was victorious in the race in 2004 and surely must be considered one of the best youngsters Gay's ever trained. He sizzled around the Gold Coast track and then he went on in the autumn to become the first Magic Millions winner to go on and win the pinnacle of two-year-old races in Australia, the Group 1 Golden Slipper Stakes. And it wasn't just the slipper that autumn, he also won the Sires Produce and the Champagne to walk away with the triple crown of two-year-old Group 1 races. How good was he, Dance Hero? Now, of course, Dance Hero came in at number seven. General Nadim came in at number eight. We spoke to Mick Dittman yesterday on the show, who rode General Nadim back in 1997. And tomorrow we're going to speak to Chris Munts, who rode Dance Hero in 2004. Now, it's not just the, well, it could have been another winner for Chris Munts in uh, in Magic Millions history. He was down to ride uh, Brave Warrior in 1994, but unfortunately he had a fall earlier in the day. He had to forego the ride, which was uh, picked up by Neil Williams, who ended up riding uh, Brave Warrior to victory there back in 1994. So looking uh, forward to having a chat to Chris Munts tomorrow, particularly about Dance Hero and, of course, those uh, that fall. I'm sure he uh, probably won't really want to talk about that too much, but we'll see what we can get out of him uh, around Brave Warrior in 1994. So Chris Munts joins us. Tim Rowe will join us again. We'll get a, uh, an update of uh, what's ahead tomorrow, plus what happened today. And just looking at some of these numbers, uh, there's already been a, a big seller this morning. We've had a schnitzel Lady Gator, lot 201 this morning has gone for $825,000. So as it sits at the moment, the top five, $950 for the Zoostar Karuda Queen, $900 for the Justify Global Glamour, same price for the Zoostar Golden Diamonds, and the same price again for the I Am Invincible Harlem River. And this new one, the Schnitzel Lady Gator, $825,000. Tim Rowe, when we spoke to him earlier on today, he told us to keep a close eye on lots 237, 261, 267, 306, and 325, as he's pretty confident that the uh, the $1 million barrier will be broken. Look, we've got a, another uh, special guest I'm going to try and, uh, and try and fit in tomorrow, and that's David Chester. Uh, we might either go with David tomorrow or Friday, depending on uh, time restraints. But David Chester has been the International Sales Director for Magic Millions for 42 years. So right from the outset, David's been around the place. I wanted to talk to him in particular about uh, one of our uh, Magic Millions memories in Snippets. Uh, Snippets, of course, won the first of the Magic Millions races in 1987, put the race on the map. 
And uh, it's very hard to track down any of the Snippets connections these days. But uh, David, he knows all about it. So looking forward to chatting to uh, to David Chester either tomorrow or Friday, depending on times uh, regarding Snippets. And I'm sure all other things, uh, Magic Millions. Now, Friday, we'll have a, a form panel uh, looking to get Tom Hackett and Nick Lloyd in with me to discuss the main races. Plus, we'll do the same as we did last year. Some of you might remember, but Steve Hawkins did a... Uh, a phantom call of the uh, Magic Millions two-year-old classic for us last year. And hopefully I've got Steve lined up to do another one uh, for us this year. And we'll go back and we'll find out how he went last year. And if he didn't do too well, well, we'll certainly give him a bit of bit of grief. But if he did, well, uh, we'll give him the bouquets he deserves as well. But he's going to do that for us as well. So looking forward to that Friday. But as I mentioned, tomorrow, Chris Munts, Tim Rowe, maybe David Chester, and much, much more to come. So looking forward to tomorrow's Magic Millions Radio. But for today... That's the end of the show. Get out, enjoy the sales if you're in the area. If you're not, have a look at it on TV. It really is a great event. We'll catch you tomorrow.